Italian Wine Podcast. Chin Chin with Italian Wine People. Before the show, here's the shout out to our new sponsor, Ferro Wine. Ferro Wine has been the largest wine shop in Italy since 1920. They have generously supplied us with our new t-shirt. Would you like one? Just donate 50 euros and it's all yours. Plus, we'll throw in our new book, Jumbo Shrimp Guide to International Grape Varieties in Italy. For more info, go to italianwinepodcast.com and click donate. Or check out Italian Wine Podcast on Instagram. Uh, hello, this is the Italian Wine Podcast with me, Monty Ward, and my guest today is Andrea Vincenzo, who is the export manager of an estate called Capuano. Uh, where, where is your estate then? Um, good afternoon. Um, the estate is in the Crotone province, in the Calabria region, which is in the south of Italy. More specifically, we are on the hills overlooking the Inciro, which is a little town in Crotone. And uh, we overlook the Ionian Sea. The Ionian Sea. So you're in a very, very beautiful spot. I envy you. It's very nice. Yeah. So what about the um, the vineyards? Are they overlooking the sea as well? Then yes. the The geographical situation of our vineyards is very is very interesting. Actually, the, the, you can basically go from somewhere where you could ski to somewhere where you could take a bath in the sea in like one hour of, of uh, driving here in Crotone. And this uh, this is kind of results in us in an interesting situation as far as uh, for the winemaker here. There are There is a big difference here from the temperature of the day and the temperature of the night, you know? And this means that uh, the grape can mature very quickly and reach the ripe harvesting time very quickly. And uh, the breeze from the sea that is channeled through the hillside and this removes humidity from the terrain and this kills mold and bacteria and other dangerous agent and this is so basically this is a very good uh, good location for for vineyards and, and this and this kind of uh, and basically for this profession so what, what is the family history then oh the the, the, the capuano family history is um, actually goes back several centuries they, they they've taken care of these lands for generate for entire generations but uh, the but the they started the the, the wine uh, but they started dealing in wines at our, around halfway through the 700s. Uh, there is actually a letter in the family archives, wherein the cardinal of Amalfi, Pietro Capoano, writes to a brother of his, and uh, and uh, inf- and informs me and informs him thus, brother, I ask you for that fine nectar that his sanctity himself has asked me of. So like the, the cardinal, so like the Pope himself was asking for the local wines. <laughs> Very impressive, honestly. But the, but the winery has, um, has, the, has gotten a more modern touch in the, in, in at the start of the 90s when Dr. Raffaele Capuano took the reins of it to, with the intent of adding value to the local to the local wine winemaking scene. So, what was his profession? Was he uh, Mr. Capuano? Where, where did he come from? What was his job? He was a, I think, he was a surgeon. I think, yeah. 
Yes, uh, yes, I believe so. He was a surgeon, and he he was the one that started bottling uh, bottling the wine. Yeah, yes, exactly. Like the the winemaking tradition goes back centuries, but the, as I said, but Dr. Rafael Capano is the one that modern that modernized the company that turned it into our company proper. What, in your view, makes Chiro such a special place to make wine in? Because it is quite a, a unique area. There are a lot of factors at work, honestly. There is, as I said, the geographical uh, the geographical feature that, that that certainly has an influence. But there's a, there's also the, a couple of str- of particular uh, vineyard types that that have grown here that are local to this uh, to this place that have a lot of that probably have influenced the, it a lot. Like the the, the two main ones are the. Um, Gaiotto for red wine and the Greco Bianco for white wine. There are others that are that are starting to become more popular than Maiocco and the Nerello for red wine and the Pecorello and the Mantonico for white wine, but they are not as common, you know. So let's talk about the wines. Um, let's go through them one by one, if that's okay with you. Oh, certainly. What about the Neruda? What's that made from? So the, Ner- the Neruda is dedicated to the famous poet um, Pablo Neruda. And uh, it's a blend of Merlot and Gallopo. It has a very soft flavor, very... A lot of our wines are very, are very um, somewhat traditional in taste, but but this was this one is somewhat more mod, as a more modern taste. It's more, with more refined, perhaps. Ah, I should specify that it's a bi- bi- biological wine. Most of our wines are, bi- are biological. We, we, we take that very seriously here. Okay. What would be a good dish with that? For the Neruda... I suppose the best the best pairing for the Neruda will be like meat, red meat specifically. It's particularly good with ro- with roast or something hearty like that, something to fill the stomach, you know. Okay, so the next wine is a white wine called Antea, which is eighty percent Bianco and twenty percent Mantonico. What is a uh, what would be a good local dish with that? I should specify first and foremost that it's a it's a good it's good for aperitifs, but but honestly it's good for all sorts of dishes. But specifically for fish, if I had to pick one thing, I would say it's very good. It's a very good pairing for fish. What's the what's the most um, popular fish in your in in where you are? We are relatively near the coast here, you know, so there there is a lot of choices like. Well, like one of my family's favorite recipes includes swordfish, for example. But uh, if I if I had to to pair this particular wine, I would recommend anchovies. A nice uh, aperitif with anchovies before the dish to start the meal, and you've already done an excellent first impression with with your guests. Okay, so the next wine is Don Angelo. Who was Don Angelo? Don Angelo was one of the ancestors of the Don Capuano family. It's, uh, it, this one is a rosé because of, we've noticed a, a, an increase of interest in rosés over, over the years uh, all over the world. And it's actually made with a particular technique in winemaking. It's called uh, bloodletting. Naturally, there is no blood involved. This is obviously... <laughs> now. Um, the senye in French. Exactly. Um, it involves allowing the free run must to um, emerge naturally from the wine with with no or with very limited pressure. So that was, sorry, the Don Angelo, yeah? Yes, exactly. A lot of the wines that have, have names of cultural significance to the to the local, local situation and the history of the, of the company and the family that, they, that gives the company its name. So the next wine is Eiterum. I, I can't even pronounce that one. Okay, it's Eternum. It's, 
it's Latin. And that's the Lolos, Lolos Cabernet Sauvignon Syrah and Bioppo. And um, is that, what is that? Is that a very oaky wine or is it unoaked? Obviously, I guess a red wine. Yes, exactly. And is it is it oak aged? No, no, not not oak aging. Uh, in actually, it's actually made to rest in French wood in, in French wood barrels. It's not specific. It, it's not specifically oak. It only rests briefly in bottles before for being sold to the public. This is one of our most popular products. Sure. Okay. What about the um, Ciro Bianco, uh, which you make a hundred one with a hundred percent Greco Bianco? It's also exported, but it but it sees a lot of, of sales in Italy. But it's very popular in southern Italy, especially. We sell it a lot, uh, a lot, a lot around here. And is is that mainly sold in Italy, or is it exported as well? Yes, it's it, yes, it sees a lot of sale in restaurants, but um, but but also elsewhere. It's it's popular in this. It's very popular here, but it also sees sales elsewhere. It's um, it's a bit of a jack of all trades kind of wine. Okay, and you um, make a Bianco Frizzante Sinfonia Symphony. It's the Greco Bianco and Chardonnay fifty fifty. And is that oak aged or not? The Sinfonia, yes, that one is oak aged. And then, uh, and then you have a wine called Don Raffaele, who was um, a Ciro Rosso, Classico Superiore, Riserva, uh, who was Don Raffaele? Don Raffaele is actually one of the most important ancestors of the Capuano family. He was the one who built the family home that still stands at the center of the estate. The grapes used in this wine come from a vineyard that has a very limited production. Like it only produces half a kilogram per, I believe it is only half a kilogram per vineyard. This is very little for, 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 for an entire vineyard. It's so little that every single bottle of Don Raffaele is very rigorously numbered. We don't. If you buy a bottle of Don Raffaele, you can see the number of the of uh, on the bottle because because they're, they're they're very limited. Where is that sold mainly? Is that mainly sold in Italy, or do you export that as well? That one actually is very popular uh, overseas. We sell it a lot in the U.S. It sees a lot of sales in Switzerland. This is. We actually we are, we actually specialize a lot in in um, in sales for like um, niche markets. Like we, we don't really sell um, a lot of our vineyards produce relatively little wine, but but it's very high quality wine. So it's on our best interest to sell for, to hotels, to restaurants, to to these places that that, that can recognize quality and appreciate it. So and, and and this is especially true in a wine like like the Don Raffaele here. So is there anything that we've missed? Is there anything that you um, you want to tell us? I do want to specify something that uh, something that's very that, that I mentioned a bit, but I feel like the, it needs to be repeated is that we take the, the, the biological side of things we're very seriously here. We, we strongly believe that it's very important for us to keep our territory healthy and, and to and to leave it in good condition for the next generation. not only for not only for their sake but for ours as well. Because um, from a purely uh, selfish standpoint, keeping the unhealthy territory means producing a better wine, and it's in our interest to produce a better wine. We are all about high quality, because as I said, we don't produce a lot of wine, so we so we want what wine we produce to be very high quality, and not not only we avoid pesticides and uh, and other chemicals both in the in the in the uh, grapes. On the grapes and in the wine, but we are also shooting to evolve, to become sustainable from an energy standpoint. We expect between solar panels and reducing emissions 
to become completely economically, energetically self-sustainable by 2023. So would that be with um, solar panels uh, mainly? Yes, exactly. Mainly with solar panels, but we will also be reducing our own uh, emissions of our uh, agricultural machinery. Is that quite a big um, issue in Calabria? I mean, you're obviously in a very sunny place and generally fairly dry. Uh, lots of wineries and other businesses in the local area also um, working with um, solar, solar panels and other such energy saving. Well, in Calabria, wind turbines are more popular than solar panels. I believe that on this particular issue, we are a bit tired of the curve, I think. Yeah, I, I forgot about the wind power. That's an interesting point, actually. I mean, where do you where do you put the energy saving devices? Should we say do they go in the vineyard or do they go um, la- on land that you've got somewhere else or or what? A windmill, for example. Well, we are the details are still are still a work in progress, but I believe they will go on the various buildings that accompany the the vineyards, not on the vineyards themselves, but on the buildings nearby. Perfect. Okay. Alrighty, so is there anything else we missed? I suppose if there is still a bit of time, I could mention that some, how we fared during the pandemic. Well, um, the pandemic has been uh, tough on everybody. There is no in ignoring that. But, but it has taught us something very interesting, the importance of diversification. What kept us afloat during the pandemic was, was contact with uh, uh, abroad markets. Because while, uh, while we couldn't make a lot of business with other businesses in Italy, we had a lot of contacts with uh, uh, foreign businesses in America and in the rest of Europe. And that allowed us to, to keep our, our heads above water, so to say. And we, we, this has been a very important lesson and we intend to, tend to keep it in mind in the future. And, and so we're going to keep finding new business prospects with other with other companies abroad. Let's hope for um, better times in the future. And um, if I ever make it down to um, Calabria, I'll come and see you. I haven't been to Calabria, so I must uh, must come and do that on stage. You're going to be absolutely welcome, and we hope to see you soon. <laughs> Thanks very much um, for coming on the podcast, and we wish you and the business every success, okay? Thank you very much, and thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Listen to the Italian Wine Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Himalaya FM, and more. Don't forget to subscribe and rate the show. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. Until next time, cin cin.